Hello and welcome to Plotrists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing And the Miss Ran Away with the Rake by Elizabeth Boyle. This was published in 2013 and is the second in the Rhymes with Love series. And we previously reviewed the first book in this series starring Preston and Tabby about two months ago. So if you're interested in the first Rhymes with Love book, you can go back and find our review of that one. It is called Along Came a Duke, in case you want the title. So should we uh, get into the jacket? Let's do it. Daphne Dale never could have imagined that when she answered an advertisement in the newspaper that she would find true love. Now she has the opportunity to meet her unknown suitor, but it means traveling to Tabitha's wedding and into the heart of her family's sworn enemies. Everyone knows the Seldons are terrible rakes and bounders, but Daphne will risk anything to gain the happiness she is certain is right around the corner. Lord Henry Selden is aghast at the latest addition to the house party guest list. One would think after the unforgettable scandal Daphne Dale caused at the Duke's engagement ball, she wouldn't dare show her face at the Duke's wedding. But here she is, poking her nose where she shouldn't and driving Henry mad with an unforgettable passion that will turn enemies into lovers. I mean, yeah, that's this book. <laughs> yeah, the only problem I had with this jacket is I thought the wording of one of the sentences into the heart of her family's sworn enemies was clunky in a way Boyle's writing never is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it would be tough. I was like into the stronghold, into the heart of her family's sworn enemies. Territory, house, manse, pile, (laughs) domain. (laughs) But other than that, like, it's an accurate jacket. Yeah. And it it gets at the spirit of the thing. But as usual, we generated a random number and tried to tap it. And uh, you'll see we mirrored each other and the jacket very closely. So this week, the random number was 17. Meg, what was your summary? Here it is. It's my 17-word summary. Answering personal ads is risky. The hottie you end up corresponding with could be your sworn enemy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And mine. Daphne and Henry fall in love due to a prank personal ad, unaware of their rival families. Yeah. I think part of it is that we don't want to give, we don't want to spoil anything. Although the rest of the novel is going to spoil it. Yeah, so basically the setup um, is that it, it, it's a feuding families romance, first and foremost, because these two people have never met before in person prior to their meeting at, at Preston and Tabby's engagement ball. Right. But they've been writing for a while. Yeah. Um, but so it's, it's sort of an enemies to lovers book, but they're not enemies based on any personal interaction both right they just both buy into their feuding families thing exactly so before we continue with the tropes I just want to take a step back and talk about the premise of the book because it's all set up in Along Came a Duke so just want to make sure that we're we all know what's going on so basically Preston is the Duke he's the head of the family however 
he is the youngest of three young people, you know, young adults, I guess. They're probably all around, all around 28, 29, 30 years old. And Henry is Preston's uncle. He was a late arrival from Preston's grandfather. So Henry is the heir presumptive, actually, of the dukedom, but he's just assuming that, you know, he's not going to inherit it. And that's, that is not a plot plane at all. Uh, and then Henry has a twin sister, Henrietta, who is Lady Juniper. Lady Juniper is her name. Her <laughs> current then, name. Yes, her current name. Uh, and then Preston has a best friend named Roxley. And he and Preston are the ones who got together and wrote the personal ad as a prank on Henry. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to get all those weird family relationships out of the way because part of the humor of the book is that Henry is the uncle of Preston, even though they're like six months apart. Yes. So there you go. And of course, because London is the world's biggest small town in these romance novels, Roxley's aunt is the guardian of this group of women and the group of women that are in London under her guardianship to find husbands are the heroines of these novels. Correct. So Tabby from the first book is one of these individuals. Daphne from this book is one of these individuals. And Harriet, who's clearly going to be one of the future books, is under her care as well. Correct. And so they all, they all have some weird relationships with each other. So, of course, they're all invited to the same places. Um, and Daphne In this would case, normally... the same wedding. Correct. The same, <laughs> the same wedding, but the same ball and, you know, all, all those things. So, okay. Feuding families, sort of enemies to lovers because they are all in on the fact that either the Seldons are horrible or the Dales are stuck-up pricks. You know, <laughs> one or the other. Yes. Um, and then... The epistolary romance part of this, I actually thought was one of the weaker parts of the book. Mm -hmm. Like Boyle is a really sexy, funny writer. And this is a sexy, funny book. And I felt like even though there were excerpts from the letter starting every chapter and then sprinkled throughout the text, that I was being told that the letters were witty and sexy and funny, but the excerpts yeah. themselves weren't. I agree. I, I agree sometimes they seemed to be things that you wouldn't have written in the, in a correspondence like this. And they didn't really have a lot to do. Like sometimes they were like super sexy or like super racy. And that didn't seem to be the kind of correspondence they were having. I also couldn't tell, like, honestly, the way the dialogue was written read to me more like a modern day text. Mm-hmm. Like a text message, not like a modern day writing. <laughs> yes, yes, I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. But so like it's they're short and they're, you, they're you're told they're pithy. They're not really. Yeah. Right. But I, I sort of didn't understand how their correspondence devolved to that point. Yeah. To a degree, like I wish if there had truly been letters that got them to open up to each other, we'd seen it rather than just been told of it. If you were exactly. gonna put the exits in there, the other option is obviously just to do away with them. Exactly. Uh, so, so it's all, gener it's all generated by a spouse wanted ad. 
Uh, and then when they meet each other, so they write in, they write the, each other letters and they say, I'm going to meet, I'm going to be at this ball. Do you think you're going to be there too? And she says, yes, I am going to be there. This sets up their meet cute. Mm-hmm. And of course they've been writing each other pseudonymously. So they each have fake name. She's Miss Spooner. And he is Mr. Mr. Dishworth. Mr. Dishworth. Because, and the dish ran away with the spoon. It's very subtle. Got it. Got it. Thank you, Lane. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) And so they they each have got these hidden identities. They're not really fake identities. They're just hidden because they're both afraid to come clean to the other one about who they possibly are, right? And this would be a completely ridiculous premise in another author's hand if it were played for angst. But the way they meet in chapter one is they're both at this ball. She's looking for a guy meeting not physical descriptors in the Mm -hmm. sense of like she doesn't know what color his hair is, but she understands him to be a man of style and means. And so she rejects certain people based on whether or not she could see them realistically responding to or creating a personal ad. Some people based on the shabbiness of coat, some people based on blah, 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 like knowing they need an heiress, that sort of thing. And they meet and he knows she's in red and roughly the right age. So at the very beginning, they both think they're, they're correspondent. Yes. But then they become apparent, they be learn of each other's real identity and they're like, ew, gross. There is no way a Dale is my spooner or whatever. Definitely can't be her. Definitely can't be him. Like, I can't believe I was so wrong. This is after they have danced and like almost kissed on the dance floor. Almost caused a huge scandal. Yes. Which he is the black sheep of the family because he's the only not scandalous one. (laughs) I love this. I love this trope so much. It's like one of my favorites. Well, and they're, like you said, she's a black sheep in her own way in that she's even responding to this personal ad and trying to make a match on her own because that is not what her family has planned for her. Yes. And then there are other times where she, she does stand up to her family. Mm-hmm. Even if Even if she kind of agrees with them, she's still going to stand up for herself and her right. own autonomy, which I appreciated a lot. But so this is set up in that first scene where they're dancing at this ball. And the only thing he knows is she will be wearing red. Right. And so, of course, if a woman in a red dress is at a ballroom and there's this moment where their eyes connect and the worm stops and the, everything's sparkling. It's, Ladies in red. That's the trope. <laughs> it is a trope. It has to be a trope. So after the engagement ball, as the book jacket says, there is the wedding. There's a house party where, which will culminate in the wedding of the Duke. But what does a house party entail back in olden times? Well, you have to entertain yourself at a house party. You need activities. Yes. And, you know, I mean, how many house party books have we read? There's archery. There's lawn tennis. There's lawn bowling. There's hunting. There's writing. Oh yeah, there's there's a dr- amateur dramatics. Mm-hmm. Oh, like all of it is so it's so funny. But anyway, you have to pick and choose. And in this one, it's a, basically a scavenger hunt. 
and they end up paired together. What a shock, because they're both the very last ones whose names are drawn. And of course, while playing this game, they get trapped in the rain, unable to proceed, and are forced to have a romantic confrontation. Oh my god, the rain is sheltering from the storm. I loved it. In the folly. So good. Oh. As you can guess, this book is just super fun. Uh, Yes. I feel like there are certain authors where this is the the descriptive word that we use every time. So like Tessa Dare, we're going to be like, these books are so fun. Elizabeth Boyle, her books are just so much fun. They're so enjoyable. But I think more than that, they're fun, but they lean so heavily into situational humor. Yes. In a way that I don't actually think there's another romance author that does in the same way or as well as she does. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, like, I don't love a lot of those other authors. I do. This just isn't what they do. Like, Tessa Dare's right. books might be fun, but they're also angsty. They Elizabeth can be very Boyle angsty. is almost never angsty. Mm-hmm. Like, this situation, if their lack of communication had been played for angst, I would have found it very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's played to keep the joke going exactly beyond the point that it's reasonable to the point that it becomes ridiculous and funny well I mean they're they're like they're each first of all they're committed to overlooking any clue that would point in the other's direction like they 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 literally see each other when he's he goes to her house to drop off a letter and she's going to the house to pick up the letter and they actually see each other and they're both like, hmm, he's like, that looks like Daphne Dale. And she's like, that looks like Lord Henry Selden. Can't be him because he's not Mr. Dishburth. <laughs> well, right? like the only, they make several plans to meet and the other is always there. And they're still like, oh no, I must get them out of here before the real person comes. <laughs> <laughs> or um, what's, or they, they use words from the letters like they use yes. a phrase from the letter that they've written to each other. And she's like, how could she know that that's what Miss Spooner wrote? Or even just like, wow, what a coincidence. They use the same turns of phrase. That sounds just like Mr. Dishworth. It's, it's just so fun. Like you, you realize that the point of this book is not to take it seriously, that they're actually trying to find each other, but it's that, you know, they're trying to avoid each other. And even when they're trying so hard to avoid each other, they can't help but fall in love. Yes. Which I love. Correct. I also like, I think, Lane, you mentioned this before when we were. So FYI, guys, we actually recorded this whole episode and lost it. So (laughs) hopefully this is an even better version of that one. But (laughs) <laughs> but Lane, uh, you had mentioned that they were both sort of questioning whether or not they actually did want to be with the person they had been writing to. So if the person they had been writing to ended up not being Henry or Daphne, right? do I still want to be with that person, basically? Right. Like there's, they both feel guilt in a way. Like they're cheating on Dishworth and Spooner with each other even though they're pretty sure everybody's the same person (laughs) yes but I also like too that like Daphne will bring up things that he's written in the letters and say I loved it when Dishworth said this and he'd be like oh my god did I really write that I sound like such an asshole (laughs) and you know the same thing she'll be like oh my god what did I write to him he probably thinks that I'm 
one way and now he's met me and he's going to be like, that's, she's not like that at all. Well, and that was one of the things I found funny. There's this moment where she's like, oh my God, I wrote that one while really exhausted in bed at 3.30. Yes. Like, this isn't a goddamn text. You didn't send it instantly. You got up, you put it in an envelope and you've like mailed it the next morning. So no matter how lacking in deliberation the composing of the note was, the choice to send it was very deliberate. Yes. So, so Daphne was pushing it going to the engagement ball. So she went to the engagement ball, even though the Seldens were hosting it, because Tabitha is marrying a Selden. But she still wasn't planning on going to the house party, which, again, is when Tabitha is going to get married. So she was going to skip out on Tabby's wedding. And here's the thing. If you got the sense that she was so loyal to her family, she couldn't imagine bucking her parents having that fight or trying to sneak out, that would have been one thing. But the second she finds out her love note man is going to be at these events, she immediately finds a way to be at them and then proceeds to use, well, I couldn't miss my best friend's wedding as an excuse that you, as the reader in her head, know is just an excuse. And she actually had no qualms about missing her best friend's wedding. So, like, Daphne's kind of a shitty friend. And she sort of was in the first book, too. And I'm actually surprised at how much I liked this book. Yeah. Because I was worried before starting it when I realized this was Daphne's book that, like, she doesn't always come off great in the first book. I liked her and I liked the way female friendship was presented in that book. And this one too, actually between the three women who are all being supervised by supervised by lady Essex, just in terms of the way they talk to one another, there's actually honesty and not yes. always, they're not always on the same page, but there's always that love and support. Exactly. They always love and support each other, but they, their idea of what the best support they can provide is different according to the different people, right. which makes total sense. But I thought Daphne in this book really leaning into the, I mean, I might've helped them get together, but F that I'm not challenging my family to go to this wedding. I don't care. Yeah. Was really like, and I should have disliked her more than I did. I actually <laughs> thought this book was like kind of fun in spite of her Selden hate running that deep but sort of for no reason and not extending to potentially dating a Selden. I thought it was hilarious too that she wasn't going to go to her best friend's wedding because yeah. it was at a Selden but went to meet her paramour who at that point she was pretty sure was a Selden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well and yeah. No. So I do like I also really like, again, so we talk about how they're committed to their fake identity and they're committed to not giving away their fake identity. And this continues. They both realize, they do both not only just suspect, but get confirmation that the other one is the person they've been writing to. But even after that, they don't come clean to each other. And they both have different motivations well, for it. I love it because he's like, okay, I think she still doesn't know that I'm Dishworth and I'm really afraid that she's going to hate me when she figures it out. So I need to make her love me enough that she picks me over him even before she knows we're the same. Right. And she is like, 
I'm going to keep this going until he admits it. Let's see how far I can take this. <laughs> exactly. exactly. She's like, can't believe he hasn't come clean yet. I mean, how, like, how can I step this up? Yeah. It, and it I'm really angry. Fun. If this book has one flaw, it's that none of these stepping it up involved her jumping his bones. That, I get it. The denouement so they, of this is so much fun. Yes. And it's great because the miscommunication doesn't, like, go on forever. Yeah. And they, so they, they flee to Scotland together, but not together. So they're not sharing a room. There's never only one room at the inn, sadly. There's never a carriage hookup. So I think this is what Lane is really, she's like, you had a whole, like, multi, multiple day trip to to Scotland. Where he was supposed to be convincing her she wanted him more than Dishworth or whatever. And she was supposed to be trying to like get him to confess what was up. And no, none of them thought that sex was a way to do that. Perfect excuse for sex. So, yeah, I see your point. I'm just saying. That's my, my one thing is I feel like you could have thrown in a, like, almost compromising situation in a carriage or an only one room at the end situation. That's all. So one of the things I liked about the feud between the families was, so first of all, it's a feud that goes back several centuries. Yes. And they are, both families are extremely devoted to hating each other. Mm -hmm. But Say something about the other family that's a little bit derogatory. And, you know, the other family sort of come to their defense. Say what you will about the Seldons. They have always protected, you know, King, King and country. <laughs> yes. No, and uh, that's something that's really common, I think, in romance novels. Mm -hmm. In that there is this undercurrent of classism. Yeah, so I think we're we're verging into content warning offensiveness. I mean, this is not, I'm not actually offended by this. If I were offended by this, I don't think I could be into historicals, let's be honest. But there are her upper class characters, so people who have been in the nobility or in families of high social standing for years, turn their noses up at people who are entering the aristocracy now um, or who are nouveau riche or they call them mushrooms, which, yeah. And those characters are always presented as bad people. Right. To the reader. It's never like they're just snobs. But you'll notice the good characters often are secret granddaughters of dukes. Yeah. I mean, you can think about the Sinsters. You can think about an offer from a gentleman by Julia Quinn. Like, even when the main character thinks he's sort of, or she's sort of stooping to marry a commoner, you then find out that commoner has blue blood. Right. Yep. And so yep. It's, it's, like, they would never outright say, like, these characters are never snobby. They would never reject someone just for being nouveau riche. Of course, the nouveau riche are at their parties, right. but then they show up and they're gauche and unacceptable. I mean, the whole time there's this one character who's who's 
name escapes me. But the whole time, she's like, she's the worst. She's the villain. She's the one. She is attracting all the male attention. She is very go. She's anyway. Um, and it just so happens that she's a merchant's daughter. Their title's only one generation old. Right. Whereas, you know, we, the Hatfields and the McCoys, whatever, the Seldons and the Dales, we fought side by side at Agincourt. Yes. And you're like, okay, I don't think that's the difference. She's a shitty person, but glad to know you can sort of attest to your divine right. Yeah. Like, there's always this sense of like the hereditary peerage as being the best people. Right. Like, often even suffragettes or the like women seeking and promoting empowerment we see in these books are uh, like the rebels and aristocratic bloodlines. Yes. It's very rarely actually a common person who can't trace back to, Oh, well, yes, of course my great grandfather was a Duke, but I keep that a secret. Right. Because I don't were, need to know. Yes. Because I was cut off from the family. Wasn't the, I mean, wouldn't it have been funnier if they were like, well, say what you will about the Dales, <laughs> but they were heroes at Agincourt and your family turned tail and ran. <laughs> you know? Just something. <laughs> something. But also, I, I don't care enough for it to make me dislike this book. I just happened to notice here. And I now I feel kind of bad that we're bringing it up on. <laughs> for um, And then this ran away with the rake because it's, it's not the point of this book. <laughs> no. But the, I think it, it's when it's a particularly apparent that there's class favoritism. I mean, we got to talk about something, right? <laughs> but I also, one of, one of the things I loved about the Dales in particular, one, what they're known for is so like the Seldons are scandals. Right. The Dales are just roll hot. Yes. <laughs> That's like the thing they're known for. And prolific. <laughs> there are lots of them. There are tons of them. And for some reason, I don't know why, it seems like all of the Dales who have historically been linked, at least the, the women who have been linked to the Seldons and cause scandals, have first names that also begin with D, so it's alliterative. Like there's Delfino or whatever, and she's Daphne, and her aunt's Delinius or whatever. Demolis, and I just, yeah. Demolis, it's like you'd think they'd stop giving girls first names that start with D. <laughs> they can't resist it. But yeah, uh, I I also just want to say every time we talk about Elizabeth Boyle, we talk about how she just kind of leans into the ridiculous, which is oh, part of what's so much fun about her books. But at the same time, she's so faithful to the Regency vernacular and, and her courtesy titles yes. are always perfect. I love it. Well, I think that's she builds a world you can really get immersed in. Yeah. Like there aren't those moments of a screwed up title or an out of the blue angsty scene in an otherwise fun book that sort of take you out of the moment and leave you going, wait, what? Like yeah. when I pick up an Elizabeth Boyle, I am reading it from cover to cover, probably in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's be honest here. Totally bought into the whole world. <laughs> oh, so how sexy did you think this book was, Lane? It was pretty sexy. Yeah. And it, it checked some of the most important boxes. Yes. So, I mean, check some important boxes. I think first, what's important to note is that they are extremely attracted to each other from the moment they see each other. 
And then even after they realize that they're sworn enemies, they still just can't help but admit that the other one is just really handsome or just like the most beautiful woman ever. Which was hilarious because she's like, yeah, I'm hot, but like I'm a very average Dale. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm not special in my family. <laughs> but I mean, to him, she was, of course. He's the hottest Dale. And of course, we talked about how they get caught in the rain. And yes. then her dress gets plastered to her. And then he has to take off his, his jacket because so, she gets a little chilled. And, of course, then she can see his, his, his white shirt is now sheer and plastered to his muscles everywhere. And then they can't keep their hands off each other. And so there's a hilarious scene where they get not caught making out, but, like, caught immediately after. And the crazy, batty, old, great aunt who they both have and who all good feuding families have. Just keeps yelling that she looks tumbled. Yes. <laughs> and Henry keeps saying, we were caught in the rain. And, and the aunt is like, I know what it looks like when you caught in the rain. It doesn't look like that. <laughs> and then he starts realizing she just looks tumbled all the time. <laughs> it's very distracting to him. It was really fun. It was so great. So there's a lot of sexual tension. I mean, there is... It's one of those books where every time these two characters are together in any room ever, there is sexual tension. They, and they have no sense of propriety. That I, got, I love Elizabeth Boyle for this. There's a scene where they're like pressed up against the piano in a busy drawing room after dinner. And he's like trying to see how far he can take it. And like they almost make out in front of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was incredible. Great. And then when they finally do hook up, we have the library hookup, which, again, I, library is the best. This book also does something I really love, which is every time the characters try to communicate, they have sex instead. Yeah, so the right. way that, like, Elizabeth Boyle keeps the ridiculous premise that they have not admitted to each other that they know what's going on up is that every time they almost talk about it, instead they hook up. <laughs> Which, you know what, if you, if you have a, if there's a reason for a miscommunication issue and it's because you guys want to hook up, I'm, I'm fine with it. You, the, you know, should he have spoken to her? Yeah, Maybe. probably. Should they both have realized that the fact that every time they came up with an assignation with their letter correspondent, the other human showed up? Maybe. Probably. But, but they were distracted what? by the making out. By how hot the other party is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a problem. Then they hook up outside. Yes. Which, I love it when a picnic just gets hot and heavy. I wish there had been only one room at the end. That's all I can say about that. But I otherwise, agree. it was perfect. And then I have to say, I love what Boyle did, too. So this is totally spoilerific. So jump forward a couple minutes. If you I mean, really the episode's basically over, so. Yeah. But she's being held prisoner, and he has to go rescue her. And he has this weird plan of how they're going to get rescued, but it's going to take an hour. She's like, so what you're saying is we're in a prison room with a bed right over there, and we have an hour of free time. So, like, we should obviously have sex right now, right? And he's like, yeah. So I was just like, this is, this is amazing. This is the best rescue scene ever <laughs> i also want to say that like she's a unmarried debutante virgin whatever 
There is not a single mention of like her ruination until like the end. Mm-hmm. And it's joking. It's like it's not only joking, it's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, yeah, we got ruined so we can get married. Yeah, but there's no like him vacillating over whether or not it's right to hook up with her in this no. library or on this picnic blanket because she's an innocent. Like, it's just fun escapism and I fucking love it. It was great. It was great. I love this book. So much fun. Definitely. So, if um, we will definitely be reading the next ones in this series yes yes oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. we're reading them all we're reading them all perfect (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening we would love it if you would rate review subscribe and check us out around the internet um instagram at plot trysts or on goodreads slash plot trysts